Well, today we begin a new sermon series. We're calling it Blessed. Blessed. You know the word bless? It, it seems as though we um, tend to use the word blessed or bless most often when somebody sneezes. We say something, bless you or, or God bless you, unless we go for the German Gesundheit, but otherwise it's bless you or God bless you. Uh, you know, the origins of using uh, that phrase after someone sneezes, there's actually two origin stories to it. One has to do with a, a medieval practice during the time where in Europe uh, there was the bubonic plague. And one of the first symptoms that uh, could indicate that you had uh, contracted the plague was that you began to sneeze. And so there was this little prayer that would be offered that was encouraged, God bless you. The other origin story is that there was a thought at some time where people thought when you sneezed, you expelled your soul, or at least there was the risk of expelling your soul. How, I, I don't know if that's better or worse than what you actually expel or not, but it, there was, a, and so you'd say, God bless you. Hopefully your soul was not expelled. It turns out that the concept of blessing is big in the Bible. And that there are two basic senses. There are a number of different ways the word can be used, but the two basic senses of this idea of blessing the Bible, one is applied to when we bless God, and the other is when God blesses us. When the words for blessing are used, and it's with reference to us blessing God, it's an acknowledgement of God's worthiness. The call to worship that, that Joss provided for us is just so on target. It's that idea of let's bless God. Let's acknowledge His worthiness and praise Him. That's when we bless God. When God blesses us, it has the idea of God conveying some kind of favor, some kind of material or spiritual enrichment into our lives. It, may God grant you a, 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 an abundant harvest. May, may God grow in you a, a deep patience and longing for Christ's return. This would be uh, um, anticipating God's provision of a, a material or spiritual enrichment. Well, just to underscore how huge in the story of God in the Bible, the story, the big story in the Bible, just how important it is, uh, this idea of blessing, I'd like to take a look at a couple of passages with you. And so if you have your Bible uh, um, in your hand, uh, let's just set the foundation for the whole idea of blessing that we'll be talking about in the coming weeks. The first passage is Genesis 1, 28. Genesis 1, 28. So if you know the book of, of, uh, of Genesis at the beginning of the Bible, we know that the first chapter is all about creation, that God created from nothing. He created uh, with order. Uh, he created things good. And we get down to verse 28, and we find these words, and God blessed them. The couple that he had created in his image, he blessed them. And it goes on to say that he gave them authority over all things. And, and, but this idea that he blessed them, he, he showed favor to them. He gave them this authority. Uh, God bless them. And then let's move up in the storyline. A big turning point comes to us in Genesis chapter 12. And if you know the basic storyline of the Bible, that's when God calls Abram, which then God later changes his name to Abraham. But God calls Abram. That out of the, all of humanity, God chose one individual and said, 
um, that he was to leave the land of his fathers and go to the land that God was going to show him. In fact, we can look at Genesis 12, 1 through 3, and it reads like this. Now the Lord said to Abram, go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. And I will make you a great nation and I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So here at the, at, at the lane of the groundwork of the whole story of God's people, it's just full, it's just loaded with God choosing to bless, to show favor, to enrich. We'll pick up one more from the Old Testament. This comes from Numbers chapter 6. And it's a benediction, a blessing that you've heard probably many times if you've been associated with the church. Maybe if you've been to a wedding or a funeral, you'll hear it spoken there as well. So this is the time of Moses and, and God's providing uh, for uh, what it looks like to be God's people in this world. God had led, had led his people out of slavery and was leading them to the promised land. And there's this instruction that he gives to Moses to give to Aaron, Moses' brother, who's serving as the priest. And so we find in Numbers 6, beginning in verse 22, we find these words. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel. You shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So shall they put my name upon the people of Israel. And I, it's an emphatic I, and I will bless them. All that's to say is that to know the story of being Christian, to know the story of being a follower of Christ, to, to be one of God's children, we need to acknowledge uh, this whole idea of blessing, that God blesses. He shows favor. He enriches our lives. In our series, in order to uh, understand what, this, what does this mean to us today, we're going to look at five passages from the New Testament that contain blessings or prayer wishes or, or, or benedictions, the, this idea of God's favor. May God show you favor. We'll look at five of them. And what we're going to uh, find out is that there's something about these blessings that's already true, that we're called to pursue, and that more will come through. So already true, called to pursue, and to know that more will come through. You know, in our time of, and I loved in Joss's prayer when she used that word disruption. It's so true. We've been in a season of all kinds of disruption. And disruption can often bring about struggle and unsettledness and division. And so in this time, as children of God, how important, how strategically significant it can be to remember. Remember the blessings that are already ours. The blessings we're called to commit ourselves to. The, the blessings that we know that God will continue to pour out on us. So to, for today's conversation, we're going to look at Romans chapter 15. Uh, verses 5 and 6. If you'll open up your Bibles and, um, you know, just to set ourselves apart, would you mind, let's stand together for the reading of God's Word. This is Romans chapter 15, verses 5 and 6. Hear the Word of God. 
May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another, in accord with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of, a, of our Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading of his word, and may God bless our time together as well. Please be seated. All right, I looked it up online. And if it's online, it's got to be true, right? So online, the 30 most boring gifts to give. They actually compile uh, the list of the most boring gifts to give. Uh, and I've given a number of them. I've never given cleaning supplies. I, I, I can at least say that about me. But you know what a boring gift is, right? You've, you've probably received some. It, it's those gifts that find their way to the back of your drawer, or the gifts that you stuff behind something else in the closet, or the ones that end up in a shelf in your garage, and one day you go, oh, I'll clean that out. The gifts that we receive that we're not overly excited about. Well, this first blessing, this first gift from God we're going to take a look at today might just be one of those gifts where we go, oh, great, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, and then we are tempted to stuff it in a drawer, put it in the back of the closet, put it out in the garage. It's the gift of unity. The gift of unity. Unity is, is interesting. It's something we affirm. We can affirm the importance of it. We affirm it, but we often forget it. It's something that we celebrate, but then we fail to integrate like we can all affirm, oh, it's so good, unity, we want to be all together. But when push comes to shove, we push or we shove. When we come to that fork in the road, that, that why in the road, and we have this opportunity to, to pursue unity or to kind of go our own way, the temptation is great to go our own way. Let's begin then by taking a quick look at some of the things in our passage. We find that Paul writes May God grant you. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you. This, those of you who are grammarians, you probably already know, well, this is the optative mood of the verb, the optative. By the way, that was a learning point for me. It just made my week. I know the mood of the verb now. All that's to say is that it's a blessing. It's one of those things of, of asking for, that, that may God bestow this, may this happen to you. It's a request taking place. In other words, it's a blessing prayer. And the thing that, that Paul wants is that God would grant to them that they would live in such harmony with one another. At least that's the way the ESV translates it, the English Standard Version. If we look at the actual Greek words, we find that what's being said, that the literal translation is that they would be of the same mind. That they would be of the same mind. Well, what does that mean? Do we have to agree about everything? It's interesting that this, uh, the two verses we're looking at really fits into the context that begins back at uh, uh, Romans chapter 14, verse 1. And what Paul begins to discuss there is that there are these two groups within the Roman church. There is what he calls the weak group and the strong group. He referred to the weak group and described them as these are people who were still holding on to some of the traditions of the old covenant, 
some of the practices that, that they think these were important to also uh, continue. Some of the, uh, I don't want to eat that food and, and um, that food is, is not proper to eat. And, and so Paul referred to him, listen, these people are, are in this position. He called it the weak group. And then he identified himself with a strong group, the, the group that felt that and knew that they were free in Christ and they didn't have to keep those certain rules and guidelines and, and laws, that, that they knew that they were free, that Jesus fulfilled all the law and, and that their law that they live by now was the law of Christ, the law of love. And so even here, Paul doesn't chastise the weak group, doesn't chastise the strong group for holding their beliefs. He's saying, listen, the two, the two groups, you're, you're together and you're right now, this is what, what you're understanding. Now be of the same mind. So they have different understandings, but they're called to be of the same mind. In order for us to use our time well, what I want us to do then is to, to look at what is this unity that we're blessed with then. If it's not unity of everything, what is the unity that we're blessed with? We're going to look at it from three different angles. It's the unity we have, and this is the blessing received. This is the blessing already received, the unity we have. Then we'll look at the unity we commit to. This is the blessing valued, when we choose to value the blessing. And then the unity to come, or the blessing anticipated, the blessing that is still to come our way. So let's first take a look at the unity we have, blessing received. Have, I'm sure you've heard this line before. Maybe you've even spoken it, that blood is thicker than water. Blood is thicker than water. It's a medieval proverb, and, and it's this idea that, that, you know, when all is said and done at the end of the day, that family matters. That you're connected with your family. Friends may come and go. You may have love relationship with others, but at the end of the day, blood is thicker than water. And it may be that that's true for you. Maybe you've already had some encounters where you had to make a decision and you went the family way. It may be that your family of origin is not such that you feel that, but there's this idea that blood is thicker than water. Well, it turns out in Scripture that through Christ... In Christ, we have experienced and, and, and gone through a death and into a new life that through his blood, we are saved as God's people, that the blood of Christ is thickest of all. And that blood, the blood of Christ, unites us together. If you would, please open, if you still have your Bible, take a look at Ephesians chapter 4. Paul here in his letter to the uh, church in Ephesus explains the kind of unity that we have received. He says, in, uh, beginning in verse 4, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called with one hope that belongs to your call, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all who is over all and through all and in all. You get that? The, the, the unity that is already ours, that we've already been blessed with. God has achieved it for us with one body, one spirit, one hope, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all. So it's true for all Christians. 
If you happen to be a Catholic Christian or an Orthodox Christian or a Presbyterian Christian or an Apostolic Christian or Lutheran or, or whatever else that you would add to that list, that our identity in Christ is what establishes us unified together. It's who we are. So Paul can say that in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female for we are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to the promise, heirs according to the blessing that God offered all those years ago. So what we have in Jesus, a way to think of this, is what we have in Jesus is the blessing of the foundation of our identity, the foundation of our individual and our corporate identity, that this is us. This is who we are. That it's been laid for us, that, that more than anything else, this is who we are. More than being American or Mexican or Canadian, more than being a Republican or a Democrat or an Independent, more than being an African American or a Caucasian or a person from Asia, more than being a boomer or a Gen Xer or a millennial, more than being a Dunlapian, a, a Chillicothean or a Peorian, more than being an engineer or a nurse or a teacher, more than being an athlete or a couch potato, more than being Team Jacob or Team Edward, and I know that's a dated reference. No matter how else we may define ourselves, that our foundational, identity. The gift we've received, this new identity of whose we are and who we are and what we're about in this world is established as a gift to us through Jesus Christ. Anything else that we might take on has to align with that foundation that God has set for us. So what does this mean for us? What do we do with this? We receive the blessing. We receive this blessing. We, we stand upon this blessing, which means that we're going to have to subordinate all other titles. Everything else that we would attach to our identity, everything else that we would kind of collect along the way, all of that, if it doesn't align with the identity that's been established by Jesus Christ, we reject it. Only the things that fit into what God would have us be and do in this world will we hold on to because our identity, the foundation of who we are, the unity we share with each other is the one Lord, the one Spirit, the one baptism. And then as we subordinate all these other identities that, we, that try to cling to us, we also acknowledge that the, the, the community that we are a part of, that we are connected with every single other person who has received Jesus Christ that we have more in common with every other follower of Christ in the world than anyone else that lives on the planet. Christ's blood shed on the cross is thickest of all. So let's talk about the unity then we commit to. This is blessing valued. In other words, that we have a role to play in keeping the blessing of unity out of the drawer. We have a role to play in keeping the blessing of unity out from just being stuffed behind something else in the closet, to, to keep it from just dying on a shelf in the garage. 
if your Bibles are still open to Ephesians 4, we'll look at verses 1 through 3 as well. Listen, watch what, watch what Paul uh, does here. This is just before the words he gave on the oneness we have. He says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. So here he's calling us to make a decision. He's calling us to live a pattern. He says, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another, eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit and the bond of peace. That we play a role in keeping unity going. That, that, that through humility and, and gentleness and bearing with one another and showing patience, we live out our calling uh, with regard to this particular blessing. In other words, a blessing valued is one that is put to use and prioritized. That we don't stuff it away. Well, what do we do with this? We pursue unity in all situations. We know through, through life, we know there comes those times when there is that fork in the road. And, and, and we have disagreements and we struggle with things and, and we don't know. And there's always the temptation of the fork in the road just to go our own way. Well, this feels, this is my way, you go your way. This is, I, I'm just going to do what, what I do. This is, this is my truth. This is what I want to be about. You just go your way. And we reject, we even vilify, we even create st uh, strife around that fork. Because pointing fingers seems to make us feel better about ourselves. I love that in the passage in Romans, Paul gives some guide rails or some guardrails to keep us going astray he says, listen, pursue unity. Be of the same mind in accord with Christ. So that when we commit to, to living out this unity that we are called to, that we're blessed with already, that we do it in accord with Christ. We don't surrender anything that Christ taught. We don't surrender anything of the law of love. We don't surrender anything of the, the truth of Jesus Christ. But in accord with Christ, when we reach that why, we hold on to our blessing. We value the blessing we received by maintaining it, prioritizing it, and living in accordance with it, no matter what obstacles we might face. So if, if the first blessing, when we talk about the blessing we all receive, if that's the foundation, we find that we're called then to build the house, the house together on top of that foundation. That we build, we build an edifice of unity together. That every time we come to that fork, we're always talking about, well, we're in this house together. We need to work on it because we live on a foundation of this oneness. And God wants us to put this uh, blessing, prioritize it in our life. In order to do so, I think we need to address three cultural values that seem to determine a lot of our behaviors. We need to surrender those cultural values that, that keep us from being aligned with this new identity. One of them is entitlement. I think it's pervasive throughout our culture. It's that whole sense of when we say, I deserve. It doesn't, doesn't matter what economic uh, position you're in. doesn't matter uh, um, whatever your background might be. It just seems that we have this cultural value in our country of, I deserve. And so we reach that fork in the road and we go, well, I deserve. And we go whichever way we think we deserve. And yet we're called to build this unity that with humility and gentleness and patience, when we reach those forks, we're always thinking 
I'm building upon the unity that I share with other Christians. And I need to be able to exhibit that in this world. And I build this edifice, this house of unity as I live out this blessing that God has given us. Another of the cultural values that we need to jettison, that we need to surrender, that, that we, can, we need to observe how it's uh, infiltrating our understanding of our unity together is the cultural value in our country, for sure, of independence. And I, and I know that can sound like, what, what are you saying? Independence, it's, it's what we're about as a people in this country. But independence says, I'm free. I'm free. I'm, I'm free just to be me. And it's, I, it's that I have this freedom to be me in, in whatever way I want to be me. I, I'm independent. But we find that in Scripture that this new identity, the blessing that we have of unity, calls us to be dependent upon God. That our whole identity is dependent upon God and that we're called then to be inter, interdependent with each other. And the third one would be power. We know that in Scripture that Jesus, when he talks about power, he takes the way of the world and turns it upside down. In the world, we want to have power over others, but in the kingdom of heaven, it's about serving, and we come under others to serve them. And it may be that we reach that fork in the road and we go, listen, not only do I want to be, do I feel entitled and I'm going to be independent, but we can feel like we have power. I'm going to, I'm going to say, I'm boss. I'm boss of me. No one else is. And in fact, I'm going to be boss of whatever the situation is. But we're called to turn that upside down. Come at it from the angle of serving, of humility and gentleness, patience, bearing with. The unity we commit to, it's a blessing valued. And the third thing then is the unity to come. The unity to come. This is the blessing anticipated. This is where Paul's prayer comes in. His prayer wish, may God grant you. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant to you. May God give to you. In fact, he describes it's the God of endurance and encouragement. Again, just a tip of the hat to the grammarians in the room. This is a subjective genitive. Why do we need to know that? Because there are times when that, that word OF, of, occurs, where what it sets up is that, that that's what being, what's being described is that God is the subject. He, he, he provides, God provides endurance. He's the one who gives steadfastness. He's the one who gives encouragement and comfort. He's the one who gives patience, the God of endurance and encouragement. Do you know that Jesus trusted this same blessing, the same prayer into God's hands as well? In John's gospel, we have this wonderful prayer of Jesus that is laid out for us. Jesus says to the Father, he goes, I do not ask for these only. I don't just ask on behalf of the original disciples but also for those who will believe in me through their word, that they may all be one, just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Did you hear that? That the unity 
that God has already given us as a blessing, the identity that we have together, this unity that we have together, this unity that we're building an edifice of unity through humility and gentleness and patience with one another, that God has this this coming gift where God's going to put a roof on top of all of it, and it's going to be the unity that is shared in the Trinity, that that is God's desire for us. What do we do with this? We trust that, the God, that God will continue to give according to his character. The temptation at the fork is to go our way instead of God's way. To take human shortcuts. The unity to come, this roof over the whole of the edifice, this gathering together is on its way. It's, it's going to be the cap to the edifice of unity that we're working on. It's going to be uh, uh, on top of the foundation that's already been laid. So we trust. We lean at the fork in the road. We trust. We lean into the blessing of unity. Even when it seems hopeless because of who God is. Even when it feels foreign. We still lean into the unity because of who God is. Even when it seems no one else is trusting we still lean into the unity because of who God is. One day, one day that roof is going to be put in its place. In fact, here's a description of when all that comes together. It's Revelation chapter 7, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this vision. John had this vision. This is uh, when God makes all things new. He goes, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying out with a loud voice, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Do you know that in our passage, we find those words, that together you may with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. This is what unity does. It allows us to worship, to declare the worthiness of God in this world. The blessings we received allow us to bless God in return. It's a blessing we have received. It's a blessing we're called to commit ourselves to. A blessing that we can anticipate God to fulfill going forward. Northminster, you are blessed with unity. Already, you're blessed with unity. A a, a calling you're, you're called to commit yourself to. You're blessed with unity, something that you can anticipate God fulfilling. And so let us steward God's blessing and glorify his name. Let us join our voices together with each other and with all of our other brothers and sisters formed throughout the world through the blood of Christ so that with one voice we may glorify the Lord. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, um, Listen, we, we thank you that you have established our identity in Jesus Christ. We confess as people who live in this country that we may have often, often seen our relationship with you through um, independence, just through our own thing, what, what works for us. But God, you have blessed us with a new identity that you call us to share with all those that also share in that identity. So would you lead us forward into the fullness of this blessing that we wouldn't stuff it in a drawer, put it in a closet, or throw it in the garage, but that we would embrace our unity and that we would choose our unity in Jesus Christ time and time again. To you be all the glory. In Christ's name, 
Amen.